Turn to Psalm 51. I, this morning, I was up about 4.45 uh, when we were in Michigan, we got involved with a prayer group there. Last two Sundays, I had forgotten about them having prayer over the phone. And so I set an alarm this morning for 4.45 so I could get up and have prayer with a bunch of preachers uh, in Michigan. And uh, so I picked up my Bible to start reading in Proverbs and, and uh, looked at a post on Facebook that was from our unofficially adopted son, Michael and uh, God broke my heart this morning, and um, I want to read this to you because it goes right along. He posted this. This is by a Brady C. Christian, and I'm just going to read it to you the way it, it, it is, and then we're going to get into Psalm 51. Uh, we have a great need today for God's people to be broken. Yes. we got a lot of pride going on. Not just people. I'm talking about Preachers too, evangelists, missionaries. Sometimes we get so involved and get busy in the, in the work that we don't take the time to really let God break our hearts. We just keep going, keep going. Since I was in Dollar Tree last night and there was a lady with two kids behind me in the long line. One was a big kid and the other one was a toddler. The bigger one had a pack of glow sticks and the toddler was screaming for them. I'm sure you all have seen that scenario before. The mom opened the pack and gave him one which stopped his tears. He walked around with it smiling, but then the bigger boy took it and the toddler started screaming again. I almost stopped and said, Lord, wherever that boy is at, whoop him now. I mean, seriously, because I've seen that happen in Wally World. You know, see it happen in places, but then this happened. Just as the mom was about to fuss, the older child bent the glow stick and handed it back to the toddler. As he walked outside at the same time, the toddler noticed that the stick was now glowing. And his brother said, I had to break it so that you could get the full effect from it. He said, I almost ran because I could hear God saying to me, I had to break you to show you why I created you. You had to go through it so you could fulfill your purpose. That precious child was happy just swinging that unbroken glow stick around in the air because he didn't understand what it was created to do, which was to glow. There are some people who will be content just being but some of us are chosen, we have to be broken. We have to get sick. We have to lose a job. We go through a divorce. We have to bury our spouse, parents, best friend, or our child. In these moments of desperation, we were broken. But when the breaking is done, then we will be able to see the reason for which we were created. So when you see us glowing, just know that we have been broken. And I'm telling you, God just worked me over. And uh, I thought, wow, that fits just right in with this psalm. If you know the history of Psalm 51, we're going to read it through. This psalm was written following David's sin with Bathsheba. 
following his confrontation by the prophet Nathan. When Nathan pointed that bony finger at him and said, thou art the man. And immediately David's heart was broken. You know, clear back when God began to talk about David, especially in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, when he told Samuel to go to Jesse's house because there he has a man after his own heart that he is going to anoint a new king. And uh, the eighth son of Jesse, which the number eight is the new beginnings, because of what had happened with Saul, well, I asked God to let me preach that chapter, but he didn't let me. And so what, what had happened with Saul's disobedience and where God, he, God wasn't first in his life at all, he lost his kingdom. And God says, I have me a man after my own heart. And so God anointed David as king, and David's heart did belong in, to God. When, when this, was, this confrontation took place, David didn't react like a lot of us. He didn't try to make excuse. He didn't try to explain it away about his sin. Because when you read in Samuel, you find that it was a time when kings were with their soldiers at war. And had David been there, what happened with Bathsheba wouldn't have happened. But because of the circumstances, because of the situation, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, some of you younger ones won't understand that. But we know that the sin did take place. And David tried to hide it. Never works to hide our sin. Because God always knows. And so, Nathan comes and stands before him, gives him a parable. And David becomes angered, I mean, literally mad. And then he says, thou art the man. And immediately, it didn't take a long time, immediately his heart was broken and he repented. One of the greatest needs in our churches today is repentance. Sandy and I have been discussing this that Squire Parsons wrote a song called Dust Upon the Altar. And that's happening in our churches today because people don't use the altar anymore. It, I don't know for what reason. Many times I think it's pride, but we just feel like I don't want someone to see me praying at the altar. They're going to think I've got problems. Well, let's just admit it. We all got problems. All right. People don't know what you're praying about. And so what if they do? They may come and be praying with you or for you. So as I was reading through this, I, I want you to pay attention. We're going to go back and look at how many are there, but I want you to pay attention to the personal pronouns. As I was going through this morning, I, I hadn't done this. I told my wife, I said, it looked like a, almost like a checkerboard. I've, I've highlighted and colored and different, all these pronouns because it just, they stood out to me. And so read with me as we go through here. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. It's amazing. I just got to share this with you. I was counting them up. There are 16 me's, there are eight my's, two mine, and seven eyes, and then on the other side of it, there are 12 thy, 12 thou, one thine, and three these. A conversation with God that many of God's people need to have. Hold your place there, and I just want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. God put this on my heart this morning. I've preached this passage before, but I'm telling you this morning, wow. Just reading through it again, and God said, let me do something in your heart. Whew. In chapter 5 of Galatians, there's instruction as Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia. And notice, if you would, verse number 16. And, and I'm just going to look at a couple of verses, but, uh, but you, you need to read this context. It's a contrast between the flesh 
and the Spirit. But there's twice there's a statement that's made that's important. In verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Notice that's a capital S. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word walk here in this connotation, in this verse, means to walk in companionship, to walk with the Spirit of God, to walk under, in other words, that fellowship that's with Him, to walk in. When we do that, then we will not give in to the flesh. That's what it's saying. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I first learned that, I thought, no wonder in my life I have so much problem. Because I some, many times give in to the flesh more than I give in to the Spirit. I love walking with my wife when she behaves, her, behaves herself. No, I love, I love it when we walk together. Uh, we've been married 45 and a half years. We're still kids. And, uh, but I love when she slips her arm in mine and we walk side by side. I love that. I still hold hands with her when she's not mad at me. No. <laughs> I mean, that's that companionship. That's that love between us. That's what's supposed to be between us and the Holy Spirit. That we're walking in that companionship so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So our desire is more to be close to the Holy Spirit, close to God, instead of being close to the flesh. And then the next time we see that word is in verse number 25. It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In this verse, it's a different form. I don't know any Greek. I know a little Hebrew. He stands about this tall. I think I've said that before, Brother Al Reichman. But uh, this is talking about marching in rank being in our place and walking where God has us to walk. So in that, with that thought about the need for us to be close to the Lord, I see a desire in David's heart as he comes with a repentant heart. His heart is broken because of his sin, but that he has, he has offended God. That's what happens when we do our own thing. We offend God. Don't you know God has pleasure in our fellowship with Him and our closeness to Him? God wants, desires us to desire Him the way He desires us. We're, you know the old adage, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? It's true. God doesn't move away from us. It's we who move away from Him. That's why it's so vitally important that we that we realize we get our eyes off the world, off the flesh, and we get closer to the Lord. That's why we need this book. That's why we need the preaching of the words. Why we need to, to learn and grow in our prayer time. And that's why God needs to touch our heart like he did mine this morning. I'm not a great example, but I'm telling you, it was a special time this morning with the Lord. As I reflected upon, and it just took a little, a little writing that somebody did about what they saw in a store... And I'm going, that's exactly what God wants to do with us. He wants to, he, he breaks us on purpose. We, uh, 
we were just were in Ohio, and I won't spend a long time here, but our oldest son forges knives, and last year God gave me a series on God forging our lives, and the similarities are just amazing, and if you've ever worked with it and worked with the fire and everything, our son does this. I remember when he first called me and said, Dad, you got to come so you can see the spiritual lessons in this. So I went down to, for us to make, make a knife for me uh, for Christmas that he wanted to make, but he wanted me to design it, and so we did that, and, and he goes, we went through the stages. I'm telling you, it's just, it is, it's totally amazing. It cover, goes clear back to the lineage of Cain and how metallurgy began. Just, just amazing what can happen. But anyway, so we were doing the meeting in, um, in uh, Ohio, and we had July 4th on Tuesday night, so there was no service that night in the sense of preaching. So I dealt with God forging our lives and talked about why we go through the fire. Dealing with example of Job and the things that happened to him. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing because I just... But then the very next day, after we finished Wednesday, <clears throat> God allowed us to go through some trials. We got to go through the fire. We were headed to Galesburg, Illinois on that Thursday morning. A week ago, Thursday morning, at 7 o'clock, we were pulling out of the parking lot. And, I, and God put on my heart, checked the trailer. And I went to check the trailer and had a broken leaf spring. And I'm going, oh, great. Nobody opened for two or three hours. Boy, I hate to wait. When I'm ready to go, I hate to wait, you know. I really do. And you can ask my wife. I mean, I'm, she's going, well, just, no, we got to go. You know, <laughs> I know. And uh, so we found some leaf springs. No shop could get on it to work on it. So I said, okay, Lord, it's you and I. So we got it done, and about 3 o'clock that afternoon, only took a couple hours, but it was getting all the parts and stuff, and I'm, I'm shortening it up real quick because I want to get into some things here. And so we got it ready. We pulled out at 3 o'clock, got to the north side of Dayton, and my truck flashed a, a wrench. So we found a place to pull off, off, off. I had to go a couple of miles and finally got pulled off. And the transmission, I could tell it was in the transmission. And so I have a little um, bully dog and to, to read all the, all the temperatures and everything. And so it also reads what's wrong. And so I went in to check what was wrong. And it said there was a sensor with the transmission fluid. I'm going, great. Those sensors will drive you to drinking. Water, tea. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that I'm going, okay. So I called my mechanic. I said, what does this mean? He goes, well, you can clear it. and Let's see if it, you know, clear the, the diagnostics. See if, see if it'll go ahead and go so you can get going. And I said, okay, I did. It didn't. He said, I said, so where is this part? He says, you have to drop the panel and the transmission. And it's a little part up in there. And when I saw a picture of the part, it looks like it should be a little Star Wars ray gun for a Star Wars toy thing. I mean, it's that small. And so 
We pulled around, went back to the church, called the pastor, borrowed their van again so we could go do what we needed to do. And anyway, uh, the Ford house had the part, and so it had been raining all day. So it was muddy. I pulled the tarp out, laid it down so I wouldn't have to be crawling in mud. Anyway, by 8.30 that night, I was done. I said, please, Lord, right now I can't handle anymore. But you know... We look back and we know, because we've seen this happen, God was saving us from something down the road. Maybe if I hadn't have checked that, that leaf spring, our axle could have taken off from the truck or from the trailer. Or I, We don't know, but God does. We go through those trials. And David handled things right. I want you to notice that there are three things that are mentioned as three words for sin that are used in this passage. The first that we find is transgressions. They come in the first two verses, and then we find them repeated through the rest of the psalm. Transgressions, iniquity, and sin. The word transgression means a high-handed revolt against divinely... uh, I can't read my own writing. Instituted law. Iniquity is revealing all perverseness falling short of his nature. And then sin is missing the mark, stumbling, falling short of God. David uses those three words to describe what he has done to him, to God, in just the first two verses. He deals with his sin. He shows that he recognizes it in the first two verses. And then I want you to know in that second verse, he begins to submit and his confession. Uh, I'm telling you, our sin is not against one another. It's against God. Others are affected because of our sin. And if we in our pride, matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that In Proverbs 16, verses 18 through 20, it talks about pride versus humility. Let me read it to you real quick. You don't have to turn over there. Uh, Stay right there in Psalms. But in Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 through 20, you can write them down uh, and just put them in your notes. It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. David's pride was dropped, and his heart was broken, because he hadn't just sinned against Bathsheba, against her husband who is now dead. He hadn't just sinned against the prophet. His sin was against his God, whom he loved. And his heart was broken that he had failed God. That he had, that he had done this tragedy, had done this sin against him. And so he, he repents of his sin. And we see so many things that happen. I'm telling you, he deals with, and, and we don't have time to look at all of it, but he deals with the things that are going on. And he, and he makes three requests concerning his sin. First, he says, blot out my transgressions. Then he says, wash me from my iniquity. 
And then he says, cleanse me from my sin. It's a process of being purified. It's a process to where we're asking God to forgive. We are repenting knowing we have done the wrong and we're asking God to forgive us. It's a huge problem today in our lives. We don't like to admit when we're wrong. That's called pride. I'm not going to preach on pride today, but I'm going to tell you it's a huge issue. Because if we don't do what God wants, then we're doing what we want, and that's pride. We need to be submitted. I, I wrestled with God about what to teach this morning, and I wanted to bring a couple of bridles in, and I wanted to deal with letting God have the reins of our life. It's an amazing lesson in training and working with horses, and I don't know, my dad, I didn't learn all that my dad taught me. I didn't learn everything I should have learned, and I don't know everything. Sandy, would you plug your ears for just a moment? Don't tell our grandkids that, okay? Because they think Papa knows it all. And, uh, until Miami starts talking to them, and then they say, really, Papa? <laughs> um, but there's a lot of, do you know that we are a lot like horses? We're like the wild Mustangs. We run free, you know, before we're saved, and then we have to submit to the one in charge. And until we submit, and there's a whole lot in it, I'm not going to get into all of it, but there's a whole lot in it to the signs of submission when the horse is finally ready to say, you're in charge. And if you don't have a horse that's, that's, that's if, you, if you don't have a horse that's submissive, that horse isn't going to be any good. Matter of fact, you'll get hurt from that horse. When they submit to your leadership, I'll just give you the, the end of the example that I like to use. On YouTube, there's a, a woman by the name of Stacy, um, all of a sudden, Westfall, almost lost her last name. Stacy Westfall from Ohio, or Indiana, who trains horses. Back in 2006, she rode a, a filly into the arena, maybe a mare. Anyway, she rode that horse into the arena, no bridle, no saddle, just holding on to the tuft of mane and went through everything in a reigning competition. They went through the slide, went through the turning the circles and everything. And I'm telling you, that old horse was enjoying what I was doing, but it was just responding to the verbal and a command and a touch. No reins. The reins had already been submitted. I watched that and I just go, wow. You know, just amazing. That's what God wants in our life. That's what God was doing in David's life. Did he ever fail again? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, his heart belonged unto God. Let me just give you, not only was, was the request for sin, but I just want you to understand that, that there's seven consequences of sin when it comes into our life. The first we find is there will be, because of chapters or verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow because there's sin's defilement in our life. It makes us dirty. One time I was working at a feedlot when we was in Johnson, Kansas. We processed about 600 head of cattle that day. When I came home, 
Didn't bother me none. I was covered from head to toe in cow manure and snot because I was feeding pills at the head of, when they got them in the chute and I, was, I tried those pinchers. They didn't work. So finally, I just grabbed the nostrils this way, pulled that head up and shoved that pill down the throat. So all across this side was all snot. The rest of me was all manure. So I came home to the house and I stepped up to the front door and my wife met me at the front door. And she said, strip. I said, right here in front of God and everybody? No. Put something on the floor, I'll step inside, then I'll take care of that. But you see, when we get filthy with sin, it defiles us. And that's, the, that's one, of the, one of the consequences, one of the, the things that happens from sin. Secondly, is sin's deafness. You see, we don't hear God. We're not joyful and like verse two or verse eight says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. There's a great example here of a shepherd with the sheep. When a sheep continues to stray, sometimes the shepherd has to break a leg to keep it in the fold. And David says, Help me to hear joy and gladness. Make me rejoice that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Then their sins disgrace. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Sins damage. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Oh, we get so far away. God is saying, or David is saying in verse 11, cast me not away. He says, don't reject me or abandon me. He said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's sin's doom. That we be cast away. And then verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Sin brings depression, a loss of joy. That's why he said restore. And by the way, it's not our salvation, it's his. He's the one that gave it. But we need it restored. God's people ought to be the happiest people in the world. But sin robs us of the joy. Listen, that's the reason some people stop coming to church. Because of sin. Some of it's health. I understand that. But I'm, you know, I had a man, we had a man in Johnson, came to me and said he was going to leave the church. Their family was in, and I'll just tell you this real quick. I said, Joe, why? Well, we're not getting fed. And I said, you know, that's interesting. Then I, then I wasn't feeling like I'd done something. I said, I learned when I was growing up, when mom set the table with food, I had to pull up to the table to eat. And if I didn't eat, my sisters would eat it all. No, not really. They're probably watching. <laughs> I'll get chewed out again. But I'm just saying that I said, you stop coming on Wednesday nights. You stop coming to church for Sunday school. You stop coming on Sunday nights. And now you say you're going to leave the church. I said, honestly, it's because you've not pulled up to the table. 
there are 70 other people in the church that are excited about what they're learning from God's word. I said, I love you and I can't keep you from leaving. But I just want you to know what God says in his word. A year later, we'd gone, God had moved us to Amarillo. My phone rang and Joe was on the other end and he said, hi, pastor. I said, Joe, how are you doing? He goes, well, I just wanted to tell you that you were right. And he said, I got some things right with the Lord. We're back in church. I said, praise the Lord. Hey, listen, that's exciting, you know. But that's what happens. That's, that's what happens when sin begins to d- damage us and, and, and brings doom. It, then the depression is we've lost our joy. We're not excited about God anymore. And then the seventh thing is sin's defeat. And it will. It will defeat us. So he said, restore the joy. And when it's restored, he says, then will I teach transgressors thy way. That's the servant's service. That's the response to forgiveness. When he forgives us of our sins, it's not about us. It's about him. And that's what we need to do is we need to make sure that our life is where God wants us. There's a whole lot more in here. But let me encourage you. It's a great study. Just get in and learn. I'm telling you, God has a lot there for us to show us it's not about us, it's about Him. Where us is is concerned is we want our fellowship. Relationship is taken care of when we get saved. But fellowship is up to us. We've got to keep that fellowship sweet. God's there all the time. It's we who affect it. So I encourage you, be, serve God with the heart that desires God. I had this one last thing. The utterance of the heart, broken and crushed by the consciousness of sin, should drive us to God. Amen. Let's make sure we are in the right relationship with God. When we say, God, where are you? He's still there. It's we who have moved.